You two characters are going to Top Gun. Hey, everybody. This is Adam, and you're listening to Does It Hold Up, the podcast where we discuss classic movies uh, from all eras, just to see if they'd still hold up in today's landscape of filmmaking. With me, as always, is... Hi, I'm Emily. And today, we're going to be talking about Top Gun. Um, The new Top Gun Maverick just came out a week ago, so we figured this would be a great first episode. Now, Top Gun released in May of 1986 and went on to become a cult classic. It did really well at the box office as well. And here we are, 30... Holy cow, 36 years later, and we're getting a sequel. But usually those legacy sequels that take a while to come out, there's a reason why. Were the, was the first movie not good enough? Was something happened? But Top Gun was beloved, but maybe not as much as you'd remember. I've seen Top Gun previously quite a few times, but... This was my first ever time actually watching Top Gun. I had known about it. I had seen little clips here and there, but I'd never actually watched it all the way through. So it's very interesting to see it uh, with this perspective of 2022. Yeah, so basically, I'm going to be able to talk about it as in, I've loved it since the first time I've watched it. Does it hold up for me? And her being the first time watching it, does it hold up in the eyes of somebody watching it for the first time if they're going to see Top Gun Maverick? So, first things first, what are your initial impressions of Top Gun when we just watched it? Top Gun was a lot of fun. I did not expect it to be as much fun as it was, but I guess I should have knowing that it was, you know, Tom Tom Cruise. <laughs> yes, Tom Cruise. He, he's <laughs> the star. Tom Cruise. Uh, he always does crazy stuff. So knowing that it was him, I should have realized that it was going to just be a fun action movie with a lot of little laughs here and there. It was a little problematic for me, but overall, just yeah. we'll, we'll get into fun. that. We'll get into that. Just wanted your initial take on if you liked it or not. Um, so it's funny to look back at Top Gun before we get into like the nitty gritty of what worked, what didn't work, what what holds up and what doesn't hold up, is watching Tom Cruise in 1986 compared to watching Tom Cruise in 2022. First of all, the man doesn't age. He looks exactly the same, and it's unbelievable. In fact, he kind of ages better. He's like a fine wine. Yeah, he he is almost better now than he was at 20 years old. Um, I don't know if he sold his soul to the devil or if he's a vampire, and that's why he was cast in Interview with a Vampire. I don't know. But good for him. But what makes me laugh the most about Top Gun is all those cliches you see Tom Cruise do in movies now. Crazy stunts, riding motorcycles, running, you know, all that stuff. This is where it started. This was the first movie you got to see Tom Cruise riding a motorcycle in his cool way that he does it. And then he just did it in every movie. (laughs) He liked it that much. (laughs) Like every movie now is just Tom Cruise on a motorcycle. Tom Cruise running, Tom Cruise taking his shirt off for God knows what reason. Here it was for volleyball. Kind of makes sense. I mean, it always makes sense. It's (laughs) Tom Cruise. So it just, it makes me laugh to go back and watch Top Gun and see how Tom Cruise today was influenced by Tom Cruise in 1986. 
Whereas for me, that was just, this is run-of-the-mill Tom Cruise. This is yeah. him and everything. So <laughs> let's, let's start getting into this a little bit. First things first, we're going to talk about Tony Scott, who directed the film. And unfortunately, Tony Scott is no longer with us, so he wasn't able to direct Top Gun Maverick. But you can see what he was able to do with this style of film. And what did you think about their directing style that he pulled into this movie? I mean, it was a very beautiful film with with wonderful cinematography and great acting. So the fact that he was able to pull that the, the kind of emotions and the kind of acting out of such actors as Tom Cruise and Val Kilmer, it just, it added so much more to just a dumb action movie, you know? It gave it a lot of heart, and I think that's owed a lot to his directing. Yeah, no, I I, I 100% agree with you. It's in the hands of a lesser filmmaker. I don't know if this movie becomes as loved as it became. Oh, definitely. It, he brought this gravitas to it where it was like, Tom Cruise would listen to him. You have these, these stars who could have easily been like, we're going to do whatever we want, but they respected Tony Scott so much that they listened, and he got really great performances from the littlest things to the large details. It was him that pushed for using actual fighter jet footage and getting them to film things by attaching cameras to the jets because he wanted that realistic feel. Which added so much to the film. That was probably my favorite part of the entire movie. I mean, it's everybody's. Uh, <laughs> if you don't remember just the volleyball scene, you're going to remember the fact that these jets were just flying all over and some of the shots they got from the cockpit and everything. And that's all down to Tony Scott. So to me, when it comes to the direction that this movie took, it 100% holds up. I think Tony Scott made a movie that could be done at any time if he made that movie today which they just made a sequel it's still as good directing wise which is probably why they say present day on that opening time card because he wanted to make it more timeless yeah and i think he did i mean obviously there's some outdated references um and we'll get more into that when we get into the writing but the way he shot it he did so many unique things that filmmakers today aren't doing anymore or just don't have the capability of doing. So it makes it feel modern. It makes it feel, like you said, timeless. So in that aspect, yes. Definitely. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. That uh, part holds up 100%. Yeah. And it's all down to Tony, Tony Scott. And it's it really because he wanted such hands-on actual footage. He didn't want to rely on CGI just which wasn't good in 1986, you can tell from a lot of other movies that came out in that time period. Yeah, you had to work with what you had. <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> which but practical pushed, was the way to go. And he pushed for that. I mean, they spent like $1.2 million just to the U.S. Navy so they could get jets. That's it. Just, just to have some jet footage. $1.2 million in 1986. That's massive. Worth it, though. Honestly. Clearly. Clearly. Um... So we've already kind of mentioned it earlier, but let's talk about some of the writing here. So it was written by Jim Cash and Jack Epps Jr., who this was their first major blockbuster film as a team. 
even just individually, they really hadn't done much up to this point. They've done a ton of stuff together since, but what do you think of the, the writing itself? I honestly loved the dialogue in this movie. The relationship between Mav and Goose was probably the best friendship I've seen in a very long time in a movie that just felt so real. And it, it moved the plot along so much was what they had to say to each other and fighting for each other, but also being such a team. And I thought that was very well portrayed with the writing. Yeah, uh, I mean, I totally agree with you that the writing felt so authentic and real that even watching it again in 2022 in preparation for, for the sequel, it didn't feel like it lost anything for me. It was very much, that was the way they spoke in 1986. That could have also been the way they spoke in 20. 2001 could have been the way they spoke in 2019 it just felt so authentic and nothing ever felt forced all the dialogue all the pacing everything written just felt like it was so such a natural progression for me anyway yeah this unfortunately is also where i got to some of the more problematic sides was just what was said that's not necessarily things that would be said today that's things that you would get a lot of black for t for watching today. So from my perspective, having watched it now, I could understand that, yes, that movie was made at that time. But in thinking of if it could be made today, it would definitely lose a lot of that little dialogue. Yeah, it's a lot of the way out. they talk about Charlie or they talk with Charlie. It's, it's centered around a lot of the women. Yeah. There, there's a little homophobia happening in some of the dialogue at points. Um, a lot of... And just a lot of the way of it's like written women. of how the characters are interacting with each other outside of the dialogue is a little bit odd at times. Seems a little bit forced. But overall, that's maybe 10% of the whole film for me. Agreed. Okay. Agreed. I, it was just those little parts that had a bad taste in my mouth, but overall, like I said, their relationship was just so genuine and so pure that you just ate it all up. Yeah, so, you know, you bring up a really interesting thing is, you know, dialogue, everything great, the writing, fantastic, pacing, wonderful, um... But that builds us into the actual characters themselves and how they played with each other. And, you know, the dialogue can be really well because it's done by really great actors. But did their chemistry really come out on screen for you? Most of them did, yes. I, like I said before, I absolutely adored uh, Maverick and Goose's relationship. I extremely liked uh, Maverick with... Uh, Val Kilmer's um, Iceman Ice was that that also felt so real, so genuine and and realistic. My only issue was more so with Maverick and Charlie. Charlie with other characters was pretty good. I just had an issue with those two together, just seeming unearned. Yeah, it kind of came out of left field for me as well. Um, you know, he shows up in the bar, sees her, does this whole song and dance routine to get her attention, which 
that was really cringy to so watch. cringy oh um, my god <laughs> it, it wasn't as bad as a lot of the stuff you see in modern films where you know they spill know. drinks they throw like that was at least a little more fun it was definitely funny but so cringy just because Tom Cruise can't sing. <laughs> it's, that's outside of the fact. Just the idea of him singing to her. And then for some reason all the Navy guys knew exactly what was happening. And they all joined in when they knew to. And him and Goose having that routine played out worked for me. Although the they've only it done actually, it twice. Which... Yeah, 50-50 chance, I guess. Um, but doing it at that moment in the movie doesn't work for me at all. Um, it really made me question why Charlie would even give him a second glance. Well, uh, she should have walked away in the middle of the song. And then when she does walk away at the end, he follows her into the ladies room. And that's where my biggest problem happened with these two characters. It is a huge he problem. walks into the ladies room. Charlie, I don't care. Tom Cruise is an attractive man. Everybody understands that, but I don't care how attractive you are. That's creepy. And shouldn't happen, and she should have told him so, and never spoke to him again. So the fact that she falls for him at any point in the movie, when there is literally no connection between them, and there's clearly me. no boundaries, none, literally in the women's room, and he follows her in there and expects like to have sex, but not even boundaries just in that scene. But later, he they get into a small little spat, and he takes off in his motorcycle. And she takes off after him in her car and is cutting off traffic and running red lights to catch up with him. And clearly, that's toxic. And there's no boundaries. You're stalking him and chasing him down. This relationship is by far the biggest thing in the movie that does not hold up for me in any aspect. It... It felt like they wanted to give him a love interest that was just as strong and stubborn as he was. However, they they just fell flat on that part. They didn't really have chemistry either, the actors. Um, it never came out on screen. Maybe they were friends in life. Maybe it doesn't matter because on screen, it didn't work. And I get wanting to make a really strong female character who, who can hold her own against Maverick. But they got to play up that whole idea of opposites attract. She needed to be able to bring him back down to earth, not allow him to run wild and match his craziness. Yeah, and that it, it felt like they were trying to do that, but in that one specific scene where she's chasing him, it felt so out of character that she would just go through stop signs, literally almost get into an accident and potentially yeah. you know have people die because she just doesn't want him to get away in that moment like... yeah absolutely it, it it just doesn't make any sense and because of moments like the singing the bathroom the car chase the fact that he wants to shower at her place the first time he ever goes there after the beach volleyball scene after is... showing up late <laughs> after showing up late and then when she for some inex inexplicable reason decides after they eat and after they're talking, she's totally into it. She's, like, going to make her move and everything. And then he's like, I'm leaving. I'm going to go shower. And it just, it, it crushes everything in that moment. And the fact that she keeps putting up with this stuff is Makes so unrealistic, so needy, and desperate. Yeah. So her and his relationship does not hold up. 
No, not at okay. all. That was my m- most problematic. Yeah. Um, moment. <laughs> one of the other things that, you know, stands out to me is Goose. Goose is Maverick's wingman. He's a guy who flies with him all the time and just is his best friend. And their relationship is beautiful. Goose is played by Anthony Edwards in probably his best performance in anything, bar none. Like, it can't be touched. Yeah. Goose is probably, for me, the most memorable character in the entire movie. And uh, the fact that they yeah. made the sequel uh, with his kid means clearly that character stood out to everyone ever watching it. Like I've said before, their friendship was my absolute favorite. I just loved how they portrayed a loving relationship between two guys in a platonic way that didn't feel the need to say like oh hey we're just platonic you know no you know nothing yeah, they going never, on here they never had to make comments like oh no no we're, we're just friends we're, we're just friends oh this is my partner oh we're just friends it doesn't mean that uh they never did that yeah it was always just this is my guy yeah this is my life right here this is this is the best person in my life this is he means everything to me and i thought that was a wonderful portrayal of male friendship that can be so loving without having to put labels and having to be so extreme. Yeah, I get it. I get, <laughs> I get, I get, I get what you're going for. They didn't have to pull out any of that homophobic nonsense. They just could come across as in, we understood that these are lifelong friends who just love each other. Period. And both those actors just knocked it out of the park. Oh, they played off each other so well. With their performances the entire movie. And then one of the best things this movie does, too, is they build on top of that friendship by introducing Val Kilmer's Iceman, who, again, one of his defining roles, um, this and Tombstone, which we will eventually get to in another show. (laughs) Looking forward to it. These are the. That is one of his defining moments in a very well-received career, especially in the 80s and 90s when he was at the top of his game. And the way he interacts with Maverick is just special. He's a bad guy who's not a bad guy. He just wants everybody to understand that they are in Top Gun, the best of the best. And Maverick is a loose cannon who can't be controlled and is going to hurt somebody. And Iceman just wants him to understand that. They're on the same team. I'm not against you. You're not against me. We're supposed to work together. Why are you being such an idiot right now? Oh, yeah. But he does it in a way that you, like, hate him. (laughs) But he makes such a good point that you love him. It's honestly the nuance he brings to that character. The little, like, side glances. The little... uh, movements of his face movements of his body that show because this character could honestly have just gone down as a prick yes real prick that was just there to be the opposite of the cool guy maverick but but iceman's almost cooler than maverick at moments exactly i find myself connecting with iceman a lot in his scenes oh he brings such gravitas to his character that it's just you understand his point and you understand why he he's angry, and you're kind of like, yeah, I'm angry too. 
Iceman, let's let's get Maverick out of here. Come on, he's going to get someone hurt. I mean, and it's just the little things, too. They're having a conversation in the locker room. Iceman's kind of calling Maverick out on his BS, gets in his face, and then just bites at him. That was a It's not called me. in the script. <laughs> it's not anything. He just goes and bites at him. And yet it's this this little character moment that you understand who Iceman is because Val Kilmer makes you understand who Iceman is. And it doesn't throw me off at all. That's exactly what I would expect him to do in that moment. Just yeah. a little display of dominance without yep. being overbearing. That little show of cockiness of being like, yep, yeah. I'm the man. It's just, But you kind of have to be in that atmosphere. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. So... When it comes to the three main male characters, it holds up. I think they all portray their parts so well, and their interactions are just amazing. But that leads us into one of the most memorable scenes in any movie probably ever, and that's the beach volleyball scene. I will always please, remember it now. Please, <laughs> for, your, for your fresh 2022 eyes, talk to me about the beach volleyball scene topless men volleyball talk about such an unnecessary scene that was so necessary for all the women in the audience (laughs) it it was honestly it made no sense why they would be doing this at this given moment like if you brought it up maybe earlier in the film to kind of like blend together the people a little bit more kind of get them to be a unit more so than anything else. But even in that, they didn't need to be a unit. So there was really no real reason to have that scene besides the fact that you needed to fill time and show guys shirtless, which, you know, I'm not complaining, but kind of sexualizing guys in a way that they didn't need to be. It is. It was was definitely a very homoerotic scene, knowing that the percentage of your audience is going to be male, not understanding 100% why they put it in there. I'm not mad at it. I like that scene. I think it's a lot of fun in a yeah. in a crazy type of movie to just throw that in there. Takes a lot of cojones. <laughs> um, I feel like they wanted us to be like, hey, guys, these they're all friends. They can play together. Woo-hoo. Yeah. I, I wish they would have done more with that scene of, like, real competition between Iceman and Maverick and really played that up so that they were bringing what they did in the Jets – on on the ground too yeah i wish they had done something more than just hey volleyball time as if it like added something to their characters or their relationships between each other but we got all that from the rest of the film and it just felt unnecessary at that point there's no competition there's no oh this is the final point we have to beat them pep talk blah 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 the only thing this scene does is make maverick late for that first date with charlie which we've already discussed but even that doesn't add anything to their relationship. Honestly, when this scene ended and, you know, Tom Cruise's Maverick leaves Goose, I thought that was going to be kind of that third act conflict or, you know, right into the you third left act. Me for a girl. Yeah, like there's going to be some tension here, but there wasn't. And so it was just, un- you know, it didn't pay off anything for me. Yeah, I, I agree. It's a scene that stands out to everybody, but I think think in the wrong way definitely um so had that movie been made today maybe they'd have to rewrite it in a way that it makes sense that it adds something like you want to have shirtless tom cruise and val kilmer great 
find a reason to do so other than, you know, having them play beach volleyball or be in the locker room for the seven millionth time. Yeah. So weird, weird scene. But again, that little part doesn't hold up at all. Um, moving forward, let's, we'll finish up with our, with our actors here, um, with a nice little surprise, um, of Meg Ryan coming in as Goose's wife. Um, I'm a big Meg Ryan fan. I've, I've watched a lot of her stuff and I didn't realize it, you know, until I've watched it again more recently that that was her. It, it was a nice little surprise cause I forgot, um, because she wasn't really a, a, a Big actress player. at the time. Yeah. She she wasn't in a lot of things. I mean, she went on from this to become the biggest star of the 90s, pretty much. So it was just such a nice little thing to see her. And I could not picture a better wife for the goose that we had met throughout the entire movie. What do you think? 100%. Oh my gosh, she stole the show. In the fact that she was she was a little more like down to earth than goose. So she played that opposite effect. But she loved him so much and that... She was like, yeah, I'm, I'm willing to go with your craziness. I'm just not as crazy as you. <laughs> and so it felt like such a great uh, match for Goose. And it, it made the love so real. And it, it broke my heart <laughs> towards yeah, the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And we'll get, we'll, we'll get to that in, in just a second here. But um, being one of two female characters in this movie, she stole the show for only being in it for like five minutes. So, yeah, absolutely. She 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 crushed her role um in no other terms that i can think of she and anthony edwards stole every scene they were in together um goose was already stealing scenes by himself adding in her it just took it to a whole nother level but you just mentioned something that i wanted to kind of touch upon too she comes in pretty late in the movie she comes in probably in the back third yeah of the movie and at that point there's only two females in the entire movie and because of that, this movie clearly fails the Bechdel test, which, you know, if you don't know what the Bechdel test is, it's, it's a test that people put movies through that have female characters, and they have to meet certain criteria. Like, they have conversations that aren't about men, or about womenly problems, or about, they have to have strong female characters that add to the story in Rather a significant way, other than the being there just for the men. Yeah. Um... And this movie clearly fails that. Um, you only have two female characters. One doesn't come in until the back third. And one is only ever about Maverick. Nothing else in her life matters except for Maverick once she meets him. Well, then again, the only thing about the wife is Goose. So. But, I mean, at least they're married. I mean, it makes a little bit more sense. She's there to see him. Oh, yeah. So her being all about him, fine. But the other character, not so much. But the fact that you only have two female characters is an immediate fail for me. Um, I wish they had some stronger form of female guidance, female presence in yeah. the film. Um, you know, this is 1986. It's kind of what was being made at the time. But that's definitely a part that doesn't hold up for me. And they, if they were to make this again, they should address that. Because it's bad. Yeah, I... Even talking about the the new one coming out, there's I think only like one one or two women in that one too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so it's clearly like they, it's they did not, not learn addressed. from that. <laughs> and, I don't know. Maybe in the actual Top Gun, majority of the pilots are ma- male. I I don't know. 
Yeah, um, I'd have to do more research on that, just see the percentages of that, because then it kind of makes sense in the fact that, you know, there's they're training. Yes. They're literally doing this one thing that doesn't deal with, a lot with women, so it makes sense. It's just the women that you do portray aren't Only very care great. about the men. Yeah. Um, at least in the new one, and, you know, I, this isn't really a spoiler. Uh, we've already seen the new one, and she talks about the job a lot. Most of her dialogue, most of her interactions is about the job or holding her own against the men. It's not about the men. Yeah. So it's a little bit more of a pass. This movie definitely doesn't get one for me on that. Um. All right. So time to get into the heartbreaking moment of the entire film and how that uh. affected you. And if the movie was made today, would that affect you just as much? And that is Goose's death. How did that get you honestly the the way he dies is so tragic and the effect of when he dies i literally gasped i knew it was coming because they brought in his wife and child and they were like building him up so much that i'm so in tune with the idea of uh oh we're, we're going to lose someone here because they're making us care about him way too much right now. So I, I kind of had the idea that he was going to die, but the way he died was just so crazy. And the, the effect that that it seemed so practical that they did that, it felt so visceral in the fact that I was just... Yeah, uh, same. <laughs> um, the first time I watched this film, I was devastated. And now the what eighth ninth time i've watched this film i was pretty much just as devastated it it the way it shot the way tony scott framed it the way it was written on how it happened by complete accident um during a training sequence but you can still add some of that like blame game on maverick and yeah Ice so Man and it's so it's so well conceived that it affects you 36 years later you watch that movie it can affect you the first time or the 100th time because they establish that character so well yeah and it's heart-wrenching that was literally the most lovable character in the entire movie and you had to kill him yeah i mean it's they they pulled the old hey you really like this person not anymore (laughs) boom no it just made me love you more yeah it's I thought they did a nice job with the treatment of, uh, you know, him coming down was a very strong visual of him just limp. Just limp with the parachute. With Maverick just holding him and not wanting to let him go. The fact of showing different types of grief after the fact, both the wife and Mavericks, was just beyond strong and not something you always get to see in movies, especially these kind of action movies. That's where it added so much weight and heart was just how this so affected people. So for me, it's the first part of Top Gun is is brilliant. Everything about it, them having fun, getting to know the characters, it's all good. But the movie for me really doesn't start until Goose's death. I think that is some of the strongest filmmaking. Strongest it, acting. Strongest acting, filmmaking. The score gets really brilliant after that the top gun theme is is incredible we hear it a lot throughout the whole thing but when they hit you with that score after the death oh man it it it's soul crushing but everything after that it adds up to if that was a short movie 
if you made a 35-minute a, a short of Goose's death to the end, that's an Oscar-worthy short film just because of everything that they put into it. You can tell that not only did his death affect us as the viewers and affect the characters, it kind of affected almost the actors themselves because they kicked it into another gear after that scene. There was so much subtle acting from that point on that was just insanely beautiful. Not, whether it be, you know, Maverick hiding his grief with anger or Iceman wanting to say something nice but not really knowing oh. how. And oh, that scene. Meg Ryan's... Um, Goose's wife, I can't think of her name right now. I can't think of her name. Uh, Her just complete devastation, but still having this love for Maverick. It was just beautiful that they were able to display so many different uh, levels of grief in even the same scene, even the same moment. You're seeing so many different aspects of a hard thing to show yeah. in movies. And yeah, a lot yeah. of movies today do not get that right. A lot of movies today do not know how to handle characters' deaths. They use it as a punchline. They use it a springboard. as a springboard to something bigger or different. And here, they let that death control the rest of the narrative. Yeah. And that is so impressive. And that moment you said with Val Kilmer as Iceman... Um, when he's trying to say something nice to Maverick, when he's trying to console him, it's what a portrayal of if you've ever lost someone, what your friends are trying to do for you, what the rest of your family's trying to do for you, or if you know someone who's lost someone, what you were trying to do for them. And a lot of movies would have thrown in there, he would have came out and had this long epic speech of like, He's still with you. He's going to fly with you. You guys are going to be together forever. You got to get back into the game. And he's literally just two minutes of silence and then goes, I'm sorry, and walks away. And that's such a brilliant thing that modern movies don't always know how to handle. Especially modern action movies where... It's all about machismo and being tough and getting back in the saddle and all that. Yeah. I mean, we literally do have those characters that are like, get him back up in the air and when he doesn't, when he's not able to, a lot of the characters are just like, okay. Yeah. We're still going to try to get you back up there because this is what you were born to do. And this is what Goose would want. But we're letting you kind of handle it your way. And it's it's just amazing and heartfelt and beautiful. It, it added such a realism and such a wonderful aspect to this movie that if it were made today would have had... It would have jumped through some hurdles, and I'm not sure it would have made it over all of them. Yeah. Um, so, okay, final final determination. For the first time ever watching Top Gun, 36 years after it was released, yes or no, does it hold up? Yes. It is still problematic, but I do believe it held up for on the basis of practical effects and the acting that really pulled it through for me in making it so that yeah I could watch it today like I did and I enjoyed it thoroughly and as somebody who's seen it a long time ago um unfortunately I wasn't born yet when it did actually come out so I didn't get to watch it in theaters but watching it as a child watching it as a teenager 
watching it later in life and watching it again with you, it still holds up for me as well. I did notice a lot more problems in it than I probably noticed 20 years ago when I watched it, but it doesn't distract or make the movie unwatchable. So, final verdict for me, yes. Top Gun holds up. Agreed. Excellent. All right, well, thank you guys for joining us for our first ever episode of Does It Hold Up? Um, you can find us on Twitter at Does It Hold Up? And, you know, let us know what movies we should watch, what movies we should talk about, or just, you know, come have a conversation with us and let us know if you thought Top Gun held up or what you thought about Top Gun Maverick. Uh, until next time, guys, keep watching movies. Bye.